Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We record Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, the organization has more than 5,500 employees and includes eight hospitals, more than 100 clinics, urgent cares, and professional centers. Its flagship hospital, Oxner LGMC, is the region's only level two trauma center and one of two teaching hospitals in Acadiana. Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and makes caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General maintains its commitment to keeping care local and making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, please visit oxner.org slash Lafayette. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lafayette-based Vimed, a national leader in post-acute respiratory care and sleep therapy. Vimed currently serves over 96,000 patients throughout the U.S. and employs nearly 1,000 people, including hundreds of dedicated respiratory therapists who help those diagnosed with COPD breathe better. Vimed is committed to empowering people to live their life, the company motto. Visit Vimed.com for info about how they can help you breathe or sleep better. Ben Broussard, Chief of External Affairs for Catholic Charities of Acadiana, is with us today with a mission to provide essential services to those experiencing hunger, homelessness, and poverty. The recent extreme cold snap has presented a challenge, to say the least. And then the heater in St. Joseph Steiner broke and needs to be replaced. Day in and day out, Catholic Charities is here for our community. It's time for us to be there for them. Ben Broussard, thank you for joining us and sharing your organization's needs. We can never hear enough about all the good you do, but I really want you to share with us about your current needs. Here we are, middle of January 2024. And I know podcasts are supposed to be timeless, um, but— It's odd that we're sitting here and it's probably 65 degrees outside. Is it amazing? It's After amazing. the cold weather, it's all amazing. the plants are dead. They're all and dead the and now out. we can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say the last seven to 10 days uh, have been a, a, a true preparation for disaster. I, yeah. it, we're used to responding in hurricanes and floods, but these are the types of disasters that South Louisiana is just not used right. to and and not generally prepared for. Um, you saw city planners, they were telling people don't get out on the road when it's right. icy because we don't know how to drive in the ice, you know? Right. Um, and it didn't seem that bad, but in some areas it really was. It was. And you'd hit it probably before you knew you can't break. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we knew this weather was coming. Um, thankfully, 21st century technology, we, we probably knew for a good 10 to 14 mm-hmm. days. Rob Prillo. Thanks to Rob. Yeah, you yes. know, we knew it was coming. Um, but it, I don't know, it, it makes me think, I keep thinking about the great hurricane of in Galveston of 1900. Mm-hmm. 
If you read about that, um, it was one of the most deadly, probably costliest at the time, um, because it came without warning. Nobody knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. So here we are. We knew it was coming. But who didn't know it was coming? It's folks who were disconnected, who don't have those tethers to either family or society or, uh, you know, information. Um, but folks in encampments who were, you know, sleeping on the street or, or you know, unsheltered. Yeah. And so um, the, our preparations not only were to expand capacity at our shelters, which any given night of the week, Catholic Charities of Acadiana is providing shelter for about 160 men, women, children, and veterans. Um, and that's on pretty days yeah. and, and, and bad days alike. You expanded that capacity? Yes, thanks to fire chief here in town. Mm -hmm. um, he was able to grant a, a certain kind of emergency capacity, you know, going past the cap. Um, and so that, and then working with city government to put together a warming center. Mm -hmm. So it's not just folks experiencing homelessness, but it was also those with inadequate heat. You know, there was elderly and, and I've, in my experience with Catholic Charities, I've, I've been in people's homes where you can see daylight through the floor and right. through the walls. Right. Um, elderly, disabled individuals, um, or just people who have, um, they haven't been able to take care of these regular maintenance projects. I mean, I think about my own home. There mm. are things that I'm neglecting. I know. Um, the caulk is cracked oh, or whatever, yeah, but, but not, you're not walking through floorboards. That's right. Um, yeah. And so you have all those things in a home and you're— 19 degrees outside, you're going to feel it, you know, everywhere in the home. And so, um, but it, but it's also uh, putting together your outreach teams. And it's not just us. Uh, we were there with um, the Acadiana Regional Coalition on how homelessness and housing. Um, other, the hub helped us out. Other, other homeless providers here in town mm -hmm. who have, um, they've got relationships with people who for one reason or, or another um, haven't been put into a sheltering situation, um, but going out and informing them, Hey, this weather's coming. Yeah. You, you might not know, but like, just trust us. Like it's not just going to be another kind of nasty day outside. Mm -hmm. This is one of the ones where it's going to be super hazardous to your health and you need to take our invitation to come in. So talk about how this happens, Ben, like, how does the coordination of efforts between LCG, you know, the fire chief, um, the homeless, other homeless organizations, Catholic yeah. charities, how do you, uh, was this part of VOAD that volunteer in disasters or was yeah. it just more of a quick thing for the weather, like this one event? So um, Linda Laverne and, and Craig Stansberry at the Office of Homeland Security and the EOC here in town, um, we have a, a longstanding relationship with them in, in, in our disaster work. I, I guess it's one of the programs of Catholic Charities of Acadiana that um, I guess doesn't get uh, the, maybe the notoriety that St. Joseph Diner mm -hmm. maybe does, our traditional soup kitchen. But um, back in 2016, when when we all experienced the flood, that's when we realized that we needed to really institutionalize disaster as a 12-month-out-of-the-year right, program, right. not only preparing for, but responding immediately and that long-term recovery. So the relationships were there with the Office of Homeland Security here, uh, which includes 
the police chiefs, the fire chief, um, mm-hmm. and, and of course the mayor's office. And so, yeah, the, these conversations started early and we actually met uh, the Friday before to come up with a plan. Um, and that was, it was great to see the cohesiveness between all of the mm-hmm. all of the bodies, um, and to and to see even with uh, you know Mayor President Boulay coming in mm-hmm. a, a week and a half on the job, mm-hmm. um, but seeking the input of folks who have sit, sat in those chairs right um, before for other things, and you just don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. We can, we can look at the forecast, but I mean. You have to prepare like it's going to be the worst. I remember sitting in, and I, my family would call it the bunker. Okay, yeah. you know the EOC. I remember sitting in the EOC for for Hurricane Barry. I forget what year it was. I think it was 2018. And the forecast for Hurricane Barry was, man, it's coming. Get prepared. It's going to be a big rain event. Like people, we're, we may have to do search and rescue, like in 2016 style. Well, it fizzled out in the end. But I'm super glad that we prepared yeah. for the worst. So we prepared um, the Brown Park, which the Dupree Recreational Center, um, for 100 folks. But there was also plans. There, there were, uh, just in case, what if more than 100 folks came out? There, there, were, all, there were conversations about what mm-hmm. to do from there mm-hmm. on out as well. So with this cold snap, I mean, it didn't—it was colder than I expected— but the repercussions, I think we're still going to be feeling like we were laughing about at the beginning. You don't know till everything thaws out, yeah. you know, what's going to happen. But for Catholic charities in particular, your average day, you're still mm-hmm. helping a ton of people. Mm-hmm. But to have this complexity added, tell me about that. Like, I don't know if people realize exactly how much Catholic charities does for many of our segments of our community, yeah. not just the homeless. Well, yeah, and a quick run through. I mean, it, it's in our kind of core values and our mission statement that we care for the sacred gift of all human life, especially the most vulnerable. And, and our cadre of programs, um, we're serving those experiencing homelessness, hunger, and poverty. Um, St. Joseph Diner, which is probably our most notable program, we'll serve about 700 to 800 meals per day. Amazing. That's three meals a day, seven days a week, rain, mm-hmm. shine, snow, all those, uh, all the the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the conditions. And that's just um, for anybody that That's needs for anybody. A meal. You have both folks experiencing homelessness and all, also those who are uh, impoverished. I mean, we operate in 70501. The, mm-hmm. the entirety of that zip code is a food desert. Um, and so we have a lot of very vulnerable clientele that come in, and uh, it's one thing that they can bet on, um, that they can get a meal there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very much a volunteer-centric program. We have a lot of volunteers that help us throughout the day. Um, we have the emergency sheltering programs. Like I said, we provide for about 160 men, women, children, and veterans on any given night of the week. Um, we have the disaster response program where we're preparing for, uh, but also responding. And in that long-term recovery, we have probably 100 cases that are still being worked on right now from uh, disasters as small as uh, tornadoes or wind events. Um, And then we have a hygiene center. If you kind of think about if you are in an experience of homelessness and you are, let's say, downtown Lafayette, um, there's 
there's no place for you mm-hmm. to take care of your essential hygiene needs. Um, most businesses, and I understand, they have, you know, only for paying guests. Um, and so we're also in, in our work where we're getting to know somebody and trying to walk them through a situational crisis into a place of permanent housing, you have those barriers. And so sometimes the barriers are um, the rap sheet. Yeah. And sometimes the rap sheet, the things that are on that rap sheet are things that, you know, like, you know, urinating in public or these kinds of things. Like if we could create something where you don't have to, um, you don't have to Debase yourself. Debase yourself. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. can, and that's the, the hygiene programs that we have are, are really programs that, that work to restore mm-hmm. your dignity. Like I've never had to worry about where, I know. you know? I know. We were talking about the pipes being frozen and my daughter, Kelly in Baton Rouge, she didn't have any water and mm-hmm. she didn't plan ahead. And I was like, how are you getting water for your cat? You know? <laughs> so she was able to go to her workplace was open and go use the bathroom uh-huh. And get some water to bring back home. But I thought, she has a safety net. Like, you know, 99% of us probably do. But you see this all day, every day. Yeah. You you see that. I'm talking about you, Ben. I know. I was driving home last night, and I thought about you in my mind preparing for this interview. I saw an attractive-looking couple on the road on the sidewalk on Pinhook, and they had two shopping carts. I mean, they were homeless. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it broke my heart thinking they, they looked like our buddies mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what's happened to them, but there's so many people that are falling through the cracks now. And, and the, the truth of it is um, when we really break it down, we, uh, we're all human beings. And so when you see another human being who is in an apparent state of suffering or crisis, that, that's why your heart breaks for them. Mm-hmm. Because yes, it's like, whoo, by the grace of God, go I, but also that's, that's my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when we um, do a coordinated entry, when we sit down with someone who has come through one of our front doors to receive services, um, we do a, a very extensive kind of intake on them. And every uh, homeless provider here in our region is going to do the same intake um, and it's and it's shared on the same system so that, you know, let's say somebody comes to us and, and they're better served for another provider. They don't have to go through that process again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we keep the information and we, we exist on that mm-hmm. data just like any private business would. Right. You know, private business, that they, they, they have to return to, to the stockholders. They have to, they have to mm-hmm. make sure that what they're doing is, is working. Um, we have the same things. And so data drives what we do. And the data really has not shifted in regard to who we're serving as long as I've been here, at least. Um, and, and the fact is the numbers show that about 88 to 90 percent of the folks that we serve oh. are from Acadiana. So they're not just coming in on the bus to take advantage of our goodwill. They're Correct. here. Yeah. They're from here. Because I think there's a misconception there is, that there is we're a, mi- a magnet for um There's a misconception that, that you, Lafayette is the happiest city on earth. Therefore, people are coming here in droves. The data is not showing mm-hmm. that. Um, so if that's true, that 88 to 90% of the folks that we serve experiencing homelessness right now are from Acadiana, then A, that means that they're our neighbors 
there, there are people. Um, so in our conversations with either local government or state government about um, solutions, uh, funding opportunities for these, these services, that's a common reminder for them. Yeah, we're helping that, ourselves here. And, and listen, other places, um, California, maybe even New Orleans, just different scenarios there um, in terms of destination. And, and we, we are, we, our problems are very small compared mm-hmm. to some of these bigger you know, places. Um, but that other 10% uh, of folks who, who present with us, generally speaking, they've come to Acadiana for something. Mm-hmm. And it's usually work or a relationship, and something didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And they've then found themselves in, in a crisis where they don't know where to turn. Right. And so that's where engaging with those individuals and kind of figuring out, okay, so you know, where are you from? And can we connect you back with family? And often uh, it's as simple as making a few phone calls and, oh, f- you know, family's—, family's Ready for you, mm-hmm. and we can help we can you help them get, get back. back. To, uh, yeah, get back to a place of natural support. Right. You know, a lot of people must think also that the Catholic Church, you know, the Catholic diocese supports your work. And in fact, yeah. Catholic Charities of Acadiana is a separate nonprofit corporation. It is, it's, and you raise your funds through our donations and grants. The, the the vast majority of our programs are are donor funded programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know we have certain church parishes here in Acadiana um, that will that will support us on a monthly basis, uh, both Catholic and non-Catholic and and I love it that way. I really because the people that we serve uh, we we serve human beings who are in a crisis and sometimes they're Catholic. <laughs> you know, uh, but more than often, you know, we, we mm-hmm. are serving people because they are human beings, not because of mm-hmm. anything else. It's regardless right. of race, creed, um, you mm-hmm. know, or belief system. Um, and that's because of what we believe. Right. Um, it's right. similar to your Catholic hospital or, um, or any other, I say, Catholic institution that is providing a service. Mm-hmm. You talked about on any given night about 160 people can be housed, mm-hmm. but that that's not really an accurate number of the total number of homelessness. And I know it's gone up, right? In the yeah. past year-ish, the numbers have increased. But, um, you know, you, you need our help. I just I mm-hmm. wanted to have you on today because yeah. it just looking around, I thought— some some of us just don't know where we can be the most helpful yeah. if we want to have a place to go to 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 give assistance, whether it's mon- monetarily or volunteering or donating. Mm-hmm. I know y'all were even trying to get people to donate sleeping bags and mm-hmm. different things. Like there's a lot needed. Yeah, it, and I think the last three years have been a blur. Mm-hmm. Um, so much has changed with the economy. COVID was such a weird time. I know that we we I, I can go you know weeks without remembering how weird that time was. Um, but what has changed since then, especially in you know our our landscape here in Acadiana, is that um, before COVID we used to have um, available housing options. And I say modest housing mm-hmm. options for for folks who were on a fixed income. Um, so either our clients or even folks just moving to Acadiana who who were working in lower income jobs but needed housing. 
Um, I know that one of our programs that we operate is called Permanent Supportive Housing. Um, and this is, this is uh, funded by HUD, mm-hmm. uh, but it's for, for our clients who were in a chronic experience of homelessness. Um, usually, these would be individuals who had um, high levels of mental illness, um, substance abuse disorders, physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you're, the way you see a you know, client like this, um, it would be hard— I'd be hard-pressed to say that this person would be workforce-ready. For those who might say, hey, somebody can just go get a job. So this is the kind of person that that the studies show that without engagement from a professional organization like ours, um, their experience of homelessness would just continue. Spiral. It would just continue until they ended up perishing. Um, And we've seen that in our history as well. So permanent supportive housing actually allows us as as Catholic Charities of Acadiana to take out a lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in our name, but it, it's on that modest housing unit um, and, and put somebody in that housing unit, but then provide the case management, the wraparound care for that person. Um, and we've, we've done that program for years and mm-hmm. it's very, very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, a super high rate of success with keeping people housed in that regard. Um, and so prior to COVID, it was very easy to deal with um, landlords and, and folks who were running apartment complexes because the occupancy rates were, let's say, 75, 80%. So there was always available units that we could we could go and say, hey, listen, you know, we've got somebody who this this is X amount of dollars provided for their housing through their either social security or disability. So, would you work with us? Maybe a veteran client, maybe a young family, and you could work with us, and we could provide that case mm-hmm. manager there. Well, now. Um, Occupancy rates are through the roof. There's there's no available housing, especially in those modest options. And I'm wondering what happened. Well, I, I, I just the, heard this. Uh, I was at a presentation Bill Bakke put on. There just are not housing options in the lower income. The community. only thing we can put our finger on is that we've had major disasters on both sides of us. You had yeah, like Charles. Yep. You had Hurricane Delta and Hurricane mm-hmm. Laura that both came within probably 28 days of each other mm-hmm. and about 13 miles apart and just devastated um, that part of the state. And then the year later, Hurricane Ida came mm-hmm. and, I mean, remained a Category 4 storm all the way through the Mississippi state line. Mm-hmm. So you had folks that were um, that had evacuated those areas, were staying here— and then driving back to to rebuild, and a lot of them stayed and ended up mm-hmm. kind of rooting their lives over here. Um, I'm sure there are other options, and Bill Baquet probably has some really great answers for that. But uh, what we're dealing with now is um, back to that data point. Yeah, you don't have places to we just put don't, people. We don't have it, and mm-hmm. so um, we've got— Folks who are in our shelters, we've got young families with children that are in, in and we're looking for housing units mm-hmm. that that make sense for their situation, and you just can't find them. Are there 
you're talking about encampments. I mean, there are people move though, right? They kind of get routed out and then they mm-hmm. move to another place. Mm-hmm. But that's all over Lafayette. I, you typically think it would be North Lafayette, but there are people are moving around. Yeah, right. And, and pers- like I personally don't work in outreach, mm-hmm. um, but but I know. Yeah, I know of several of them. Yeah, um, and I know that um, it's there's a certain survival of being on the street. Um, and, and, um, there's just, it, it is, it's gotta be hard. Um, but when you, when you either don't have the means, but then you've been in that experience of homelessness for so long that you've lost a certain grip, mm-hmm. uh, but you've also lost your things that have been stolen from you. Like what do you, okay. To apply for an apartment or to apply for a job, um, you need, your ID and you need a mailing address and you need all of these things. And and that's where the barrier to to being housed, the longer you're homeless, the barrier just gets higher. Mm-hmm. You and, and Kim Boudreau, I know your hearts are all over this, as is your staff at Catholic Charities. I mean, tell just tell me what you guys need. I just mm-hmm. want people to hear yeah. where you are. I know you probably have a set budget yearly and you're yeah. needing to replace a heater at St. Joseph mm-hmm. Steiner, but just kind of talk please about what you yeah. need to sustain your services. I'm so glad you brought up our staff, especially our program staff, our front line staff, mm-hmm. like the last week of our lives uh, in this kind of winter weather disaster. Weren't they driving around looking for people that needed Absolutely. help? Absolutely. I, I couldn't believe that. So, middle of the night, so, driving around. You know, making middle of the night trips mm-hmm. um, to, to to find individuals and to, to offer. Um, because, I mean, nobody's—this isn't a situation where somebody is forced to come. Um, it's, it's an offer, and it's building trust. But our, our folks are the best— um, we actually showed up at the diner. It was Tuesday morning, so it had rained, you know, ice and sleet all the night before. And then our folks showed up that morning and found out that the heater was broken, um, which, I mean, that <laughs> we run our heater only when you need to, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we're, we're in South Louisiana, you like to open your windows when it's cold outside because it's never cold outside, right. especially after the summer we just had. So, and we have maintenance contracts with, with professional organizations. And, uh, I just, I think that that heater just decided to give up. Um, <laughs> I've had it. It's, and I know that that heater. It's probably really old. God huh? bless that heater. Yeah. I think it's older than all of us put together. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's. Oh, you're like, we, darn it. We have you found know? ourselves in a situation where uh, it's either repairing it, mm-hmm. which repairing two seven and a half ton units um, it, in, that are that old, you're you're trying Wasting to find money. parts somewhere because yeah. they're they're not making parts for it, or you just know that it's time. Um, and, and even repairing it would be four to six weeks. And so we're currently in the bid process to figure out how to how to do what's right and mm-hmm. replace them. And so we're. We're, you know, actively fundraising for that. And I'll tell you, I've every time disaster strikes, whether it's, um, you know, an ice week or whether it's a flood or a hurricane or tornado, um, I love how much my phone rings. Um, I, the people who, who you expect to call, people who you've never met before, 
um, all everything in between on the spectrum. It is it's so beautiful, and I'm reminded of how awesome this area is. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 again, I just I love that the reflection of of the community and how just the the cultural mix of our community um, for people from all different walks of life. Every different faith and every men and women of goodwill. I mean, just they, they they see that it's like, well, I mean, my heater worked. I was warm in my house, mm-hmm. um, and so can I help toward yeah. that? And they're aware of how lucky, you know, how fortunate they are. And it's not just the money. I mean, we had we had folks who risked their lives to show up and volunteer at the diner when it was icy outside mm-hmm. because. They wanted to make sure that food was going to be able to be served. And, um, you know, people who were showing up the day before everything and with with their bags of essential things, mm-hmm. very specific things that we asked for uh, so that we can that we can make comfortable, um, you know, some extra guests. Right, right. You people know? can go on Amazon too, right? You have a wish list that people can look up. Uh, is that on your Facebook page? So, yeah, fa- and. I guess these days I'm just telling folks just Google Catholic Charities of Acadia, and it'll come up. Here's, it'll our, here's come what up. we need. Well, it's because the, our our website link it's like the longest in history. It's yeah. CatholicCharitiesAcadiana.org. It's so susceptible to misspelling, um, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, uh, it's very easy to find there. Um, so either to make you know a monetary gift to help us do these things because it's not just the heater when we ramp up and staff up and mm-hmm. and really make uh, a place for an extra you know 40 or 50 guests you got to think about it like if you you and, and your That's husband That's a ton of people. Just yeah. just think about if you were opening right. your doors to to family coming in out of town um yeah, all the things you need. All the things you need for that. Extra paper towels, oh, toilet, paper, toilet paper, all the things. So, oh, yeah. absolutely, all those uh-huh. things. So, um that, you know, shopping on Amazon is great. It's very convenient or taking a look at the the, the list of things that we need mm-hmm. and Shopping locally. And your website also has uh, it, yeah. online donations. Online donations there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also either for this cold week or, or moving out into the future, there are many of our programs that we just can't run without hands, mm-hmm. without hands and hearts, without people to to come and volunteer. And right. so this is an open invitation. And it, and it doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you've ever darken the doorstep of a church uh, or or it, none of that matters mm-hmm. if you care about people who stand to suffer at a at a disproportionate and a greater level than the rest of society then we want you to come serve mm-hmm. it's really fun to volunteer it is yeah yeah, it's, really fun. it's fun. I, I volunteer with my kids. I've got a senior, a, a sophomore, and a fourth grader, um, and so all love hanging out with them there. And it's such mm-hmm. a head fake. Um, if you're listening and you're a, a you know a parent, you're a dad. The head fake. If you remember the the last lecture, Randy Pausch. Oh yeah. Um, and he was he was doing these lectures, and he had stage four cancer, mm-hmm. and he talked about the head fake. He talked about. Um, you know, in either in sports or anything, it's when when you're doing something and the, the other person thinks you're doing it this way, but it's actually the, it's an ulterior either uh, direction or reason. Um, and so um, he talked about the importance of that with parenting. Um, 
because either going to a baseball game with them or serving with them, it may be really hard to sit across the table and like dig in with them. But when you're serving with them, you're doing something alongside them and they think you're just watching a baseball game Mm -hmm. or they think you're just volunteering. Now you're 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 spending time right. together, you know. Right. And the ultimate head fake, I think, that for that whole last lecture thing, is that he did all those lectures to be recorded for his kids. Mm-hmm. That's and a you thought it was for the students. Yeah. Ah, the head fake. I haven't fake. thought about him in a while. That was yeah. such a beautiful life. Easy read. Easy Very read. Very easy but, read. But, but absolutely, what yeah. what a what a uh, investment that he made for all of us. Mm-hmm. So. Right now, Catholic Charities, too, uh, I know you got a grant, and you're hosting or organizing a series mm-hmm. of events about this homeless issue, mm-hmm. because we're we're meeting needs as they come up, but really, we need long-term solutions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can only patch, like you said, the heater. You can only fix things so yeah. long. We need to be looking at long-term solutions. So the Urban Land Institute— um, is a national organization that focuses on housing solutions. Um, we applied for a grant with them um, to, and and really, I, I think we we kind of threw it out there. I think we we knew we were up against major cities that have problems deeper than ours. We were super grateful that we got picked along with some big cities with big issues. Um, but I think that they saw in Acadiana, um, yes, we have a we. You know, our, our issue is kind of swelling at this point, um, but it's fixable. There's, we can do something. It's not out of control. Um, and so they gave us uh, a, you know, about $10,000 um, to put together a four-part meeting series. Um, so some of that money is spent on dinner for folks to come and hang out mm-hmm. and, and be a part of this conversation. And then we're also uh, bringing in some, some speakers for them. But... Um, Really, what we're trying to do is get all cross-sectors of society, um, from CEOs to Mm -hmm. family folks to uh, the healthcare community to law enforcement to elected officials um, to um, volunteers, all the way down to folks that we have served who were formerly street-level homeless. to to discuss um, a what are the issues, but what what could be the solution in Acadiana? Um, because it'd be very easy to say, well, let's just go build some apartments. We were discussing before. There's a lot of apartments that are going up right yeah. now, yeah. Um, and and part of that could be solution, but part of those could be way out of uh, out of line for for what a um, an impoverished individual or family can afford. Um, I just I feel like uh, Anita Begno uh, said that Lafayette is uh, is a very mature city. Um, there just hasn't been an investment in um, in in that array of right. housing options. Right. Um, and so you don't make as much profit. No, you know, as no. a builder developer, Absolutely. you don't make as much profit as if you have a high end. But also, the, you know, where where have we kind of um, moved as a community over the past hundred years? We haven't really invested in that core. Mm-hmm. We've invested further south down Highway ninety toward um, these you know emerging little cities, and and it's great. But um, 
both for for those who are vulnerable, but also um, you know, in discussions with with friends like Mandy Mitchell, if you're if you're attracting businesses to come to Lafayette, mm-hmm. um, some businesses want to make sure that there are housing options for growth for those businesses, um, and not just in the upscale neighborhoods, but also in um, you know right. a very diversified option range, mm-hmm. and so. Um, we're this is a this is a, a a meeting series where the 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 first one builds right into the second one, um, and so um, we're inviting the community uh, to come out and be a part of it mm-hmm. um, because when we're finally done, um, I'm hopeful. We're hopeful that we'll have something that the entire community can be proud of. Then we can go to either local government or state government or private investors, if that's mm-hmm. a part of it, um, to to have a plan that is really blessed by everybody right. um, about how we can move forward. Because I, I know that if I were to go either to a, a LCG meeting or the state capitol and say, hey, I'm Ben Broussard with Catholic Charities, this is what we need. Um, one of the first responses would be, well, that's what you think. Right. Would, would, where's the delegation? Yeah, what, what, do the other people think? What, what are other, yeah. what do other people think? Yeah. Um, so this is, this is the mm-hmm. hard work of figuring out what everybody thinks. Mm-hmm. When is the next meeting? Do you know? Uh, yeah, Thursday, January 25th. Okay. And we'll be at the downtown convention center on Buchanan Street. Mm-hmm. Um, that's near um, their— the school mint and um, yeah, they're right there near the tracks. I think that was the uh, old Anderson's furniture. Yes, uh-huh. yes. For people that have That's been right. here a while, That's yeah. Right. It just so, got great parking and mm-hmm. a big, big, nice space. Yeah, so. yeah nice space. Uh, but we would love to have uh, more folks come out and and be a part of that. And just learn more about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So they can. Do you have to register for that? You have to. It would be great to RSVP, uh, and I will put a link on the front of our website for that. Okay. So they can just go to Catholic Charities, yeah. Anything else you wanted to discuss? I really just wanted you here to remind all of us that yeah. we can help in the ways that fit yeah. what we're able to do. No, I think my encouragement, and it really doesn't matter who you are, um, I feel like all of us are called to do something for our neighbor um, who who is who stands to suffer. And— it's easy to think about it during the cold weather or during a disaster, uh, but in, in someone's everyday disaster, in someone's everyday situational crisis, when they lack that connection to family uh, or when they've found themselves in a situation that they can't dig their way out of. Yeah. Because sometimes, yeah, it's a series of, of poor decisions. Sometimes it's not. I've heard that even, you know, I know from SLCC, the— community college, sometimes a flat tire can derail someone with uh, yeah. no savings. They, mm-hmm. they end up losing their job. Mm-hmm. They can't work mm-hmm. and can't pay your rent. I mean, yeah. it's just very little can happen in a Absolutely. life. A, a small event can be a big I was catastrophe. visiting with the gentleman the other day, stage four cancer. It just bankrupted him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's, he's in a situation where he can't work, and so he can't be housed. And it's, yeah. It's it, it can be tough, um, but it can also be complex. And so, trying to trying to move out of this abstract understanding of homelessness or suffering, 
and moving it to something that's that's that you can grasp and something that's that's reality. And the, the reality is that we've got hundreds of individuals right here in Acadiana. Um, the vast majority of them are our neighbors. And so I feel like we're all called in a collective sense to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. That's and beautiful. That, that could be that could be a little monetary contribution here. That could be volunteering over there. That could be um, stepping up as an advocate in some sense, and yeah, it it it's it's up to you to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Ben. I know Jason Sikor is here. Jason, thank you for recording us today. Of and course, you were writing notes down. I, I do have some <laughs> notes. Yeah, first of all, Jane, thank you for bringing in guests that really kind of get my brain going here. Ben, thank you for being here. I think this was kind of last minute, so thanks for jumping in here and uh, and being part of this. Last minute is the best. <laughs> awesome. You know, so I, I was sitting here thinking, you know. It's it's pretty easy, especially during you know campaign times right now, to turn on the news and get really disillusioned and cynical about just I think society in general. And so it's really nice to hear about people helping other people, right? That little bit of hope that that we can get through some of these these tough times. So thank you. First question: Volunteering. How do? What's the best way to get a hold of you guys to volunteer? And if I was to walk in and say, "I'm here, mm-hmm. put me to work," what am I doing that day? Yeah. So that's a fantastic question. I, I've I have volunteered through other organizations, and I've kind of checked out other um, other groups. Where depending on the volunteer opportunity, you may have to go through an extensive, you know, filling out this, mm-hmm. and, and we need to make sure that you got a you know driver's license and all that stuff. So I love how simple it is to volunteer with Catholic Charities of Acadiana. We, we really just want to know your name and maybe how to contact you, okay. and that's it. Um, it. So whether it be with St. Joseph Diner or FoodNet Food Bank, which is another one of our programs where we're putting together um, shelf-stable f- food supplies mm-hmm. for individuals. We move about 750 of those bags per week, but they have oh, to be right. put together. Um, wow. There's an online calendar that you can just look through and yeah. say, hey— Oh, there's a. They need this many people at this time at this place. Awesome. And so my challenge for folks who want to volunteer is going on that calendar and looking for the zeros. Oh, okay, yeah. Because if if you've got one where it's like, hey, we've got we need ten volunteers and we've got nine signed up, that shift's going to be good. Yeah. You know. But if we need five volunteers and zero have signed up, that's the one I want you to. To shoot toward, mm-hmm. um, and all of that is at CatholicCharitiesAcadiana.org. There's a there's a volunteer now okay. tab there. Okay, um, it should be pretty simple. But then there's also through that same tab, if people have questions, we love the questions. Okay. Um, we yeah. get people who call and say, "Hey, um, you know, I'd like to volunteer with my kids. They're this age and this age. Can we do that?" I love that because we want you to feel comfortable when you come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want you to know, A, that you're wanted, and B, um, that when you come, we're going to have work for you. And and it's going to be a great experience, and we hope that it's so good that you come back. Yeah, there's God. always plenty to do. Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah I can imagine. Yeah. So how did you get involved? Oh, good question. That's an awesome question. <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> so— Prior to working for Catholic Charities of Acadiana, I spent about 11 years as um, the external affairs chief at the Louisiana Oil and Gas Association. So I worked in Baton Rouge, and we represented the needs of 
um, the independent oil and gas producers and the service companies in the state of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So um, very much an external role, um, but it, it, kind of my heart of hearts, who I was representing Yes, it was businesses, it was the economic drivers in Louisiana, but it was the mom and pops. It was the it was the families because the major integrated oil and gas companies really left Louisiana by and large in in the late 90s. Um I think we still had Chevron here in town, uh, but um, their operations definitely moved out okay. of on on land or inland water, um, and so it was it was really it was like ninety three percent of the wells that were drilled in Louisiana from two thousand on forward were were drilled by mom and pops were smaller oh, wow. smaller companies, yeah. and so when Kim Boudreau, who's my CEO, um, when she approached me about this role that they were building. It was very easy for me to see, hey, you've been representing families. Oh, yeah. So now I want you to represent families, but <laughs> families who are yep. in crisis. And, and, and so that was six years ago. Yeah, oh, wow. She's so astute, though, at her judgments. Oh, you know, yeah. Kim Boudreaux is the best. She's fantastic. Yeah. And I don't just have to say that. I know. She's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Um, what... What things didn't you understand getting into this that you learned? What kind of challenges did you did you come across that you didn't even expect to come up against? My experience, my understanding of homelessness, poverty, hunger, food insecurity uh, was extremely abstract. I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up, I went to private schools my whole life, went to LSU, came back over here, and then worked in— you know, Big business, but also, you know, state government. So I, I, it was very much an abstract understanding. Mm -hmm. It was only um, showing up on, on our campus, getting to know people and realizing how complex the understanding could yeah. be, but how, how complex the experience is, I think, um, because it's not one thing uh, that creates the barrier. It's not one thing that creates the snowball, the flat tire, like you said earlier, or the death in the family or late onset um, mental illness, which I learned, um, it, generally speaking, in women, um, mental illness um, comes on later okay. in life. And so think about somebody who's either established um, a, a single you know, breadwinner for a family, and then that happens like what every everything can be so complex um and and so that's what i was reminded of is like okay a it's it's a human issue mm -hmm. um and yes we've been dealing with it since the dawn of time but it's real it's not an abstract thing um because these are real people with real names and they are real sons and daughters of somebody um but it it took taking that and marrying it with an already heart to serve, like I, I already have a, um, I already have a desire um, to, in kind of in my best experience of myself, to 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 be selfless, mm -hmm. um, you know, on a, on a good day, I guess. Um, and so that's where I think that's where the 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 understanding started to sink in. But it wasn't a part of I, I like. I very much had a, um, I, I didn't have a struggle growing up. Um, mm -hmm. And that yep. was, um, that's something that I'm now kind of grappling with, you know? Of, I mean, 
That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we we might have had some bad years growing up. <laughs> sure. But we made it through. And as a kid, you don't really feel that or understand. Like, you don't experience it the way that the parents did. Yes. Yeah. But it's also, like— Things just always worked out. Yeah. It, it Maybe it was uncomfortable, but it just worked out. Like, I've always had a door to close and lock behind me and feel the safety of that. Yeah. Um, and when I when I sleep in a tent, it's because I want to. It's Yeah. It's because I like camping, but, like, not for a lifestyle and not for not for, for your housing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Well, Ben, thank you for being here. I'm going to think about this interview for the rest of the day and probably the oh, rest good. of the week. So I, I, I appreciate so. it, man. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I have another question, and it I don't mean it to sound petty, but I've seen many homeless people with several dogs. Mm-hmm. And how do you guys handle that if someone comes to you and yeah. they've got three dogs, you know? Um, so we, we do our best to accommodate uh-huh. because um, so one part of it is that you've got um, somebody who is alone. Uh, the, the experience of homelessness is one of often isolation. Mm-hmm. You've got the shame uh, built into it, uh, but it's it's isolated. It's lonely, and so it makes sense that someone would have an animal with them. Um, but often, and I guess you think back to um, Hurricane Katrina. There were people who wouldn't leave their animals. And they ended they up. They them. ended up suffering yeah. um, because they wouldn't leave their animals. And then, you, you, of course, there was the issue of like, we're taking you. We won't take your animal. Um, but um, we know that we want them to come into shelter, um, and it's it it's a package deal. Okay. Because we want them to be inside, yeah. so we, we'll. Some, somehow try to make arrangements. And yeah. I've I've been to the shelter every day this week and we've got certain, you know, kennel little, <laughs> you know, put together the, you know, the little, the plastic Pee-wee kennel boxes kennels. and yeah. things uh-huh. outside. And so, you and know. And if the dogs have been living on the street, they're probably better than some of our dogs yeah. who have a, uh, yes, a warm I, home, I would, I would, you know, that are yes, spoiled. I'd so, agree. Yeah. I'm so grateful, Ben Broussard, that you came to discuss Catholic Charities of Acadiana. Um, I really admire you and your peers there. And thank you for the service you give us because it's it's for all of us. You know, we have to remember to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. So this is, it's very touching. Thank you for your time. And thank you, Jan. Jason, thank you. Thank you and oh, yeah, Raider course. for making this podcast so yes. professional. I want to thank our listeners for your loyal support. You can subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. And if you haven't yet, please visit discoverlafayette.net where you can find Ben's interview along with about 365 or 70 others. This has been a wonderful treasure trove of our community's leaders. And I also want to thank the companies that make this podcast possible. Of course, Raider. I want to thank Raider and Chris Raider. Oxner, Lafayette General, and ViMed, we're blessed to have you supporting us. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you.